Well, if you have your Bibles, uh, grab them. I hope you do. Uh, Grab them and turn with me to Hebrews 13. We're going to look at uh, verses 11 through 14 today. Um, We're going to continue in this study. Jesus, our great high priest, uh, we've been in this study um, the last couple of months. Uh, Hebrews 13 is the last chapter of this letter written to these newly converted Jews to Christianity. We're going to spend this week and next week in this chapter. When I began preparing for this message, I kind of got stuck in these verses, verses 11 through 14. I got stuck here. Um, it's probably because it mentions the word camp. And I love camp. I mean, I didn't start to do the whole message on these verses, but when I got to that word camp, I kind of got stuck. Uh, this was the verse. This was the phrase. Sort of, I think it's the heart of chapter 13. It says, let's go to him then outside the camp. And it was that word camp that got my attention. I immediately thought about my own experience at camp. If you've been here any length of time, you know how much I love camp. Camp for me was a holy space. I met my best friends uh, for life at that camp. I met my wife at that camp. And I met Jesus at that camp. And um, so I thought that the only proper way to start this message is to sing a camp song. So I asked Christy this morning if she would jump up with me and lead a camp song. You guys in for a camp song? All right, all right, all right. I know you just sat down, but why don't you all stand up? Uh, We're going to sing a camp song. Uh, We're going to clap our hands and sing along. This is a song we learned at camp that we used to sing at camp. Everybody's got to stand up. I mean, mean, you don't have to stand up. Why don't you clap your hands and sing along? I think Chandler's going to jump in with us. You jumping in? All right. We got the whole band here. Terry, where are you? Come on, Terry. This ought to be interesting now. So this song's called We Bring the Sacrifice of Praise. We used to sing this all the time. Christy, you ready? You help us out. Clap your hands and sing along. Here we go. <laughs> Don't shake your head. Pick it up a little bit. Let's get it going. Let's get it going. Christy, you gonna pick it up a little bit? You got it? pretty well. 
We did all right. Way better than the first hour. <laughs> Let us go to him then outside the camp. So I'm more than intrigued when I hear the invitation from him to go to him outside the camp. Here's the text. Hebrews 13, 11 through 14. The high priest carries the blood of animals into the most holy place as a sin offering. But the bodies are burned outside the camp. And so Jesus also suffered outside the city gate to make the people holy through his own blood. Let us then go to him outside the camp, bearing the disgrace he bore. For here, we do not have an enduring city, but we are looking for the city that is to come. The writer of this letter is reminding these new Jewish believers of how Jesus fulfilled Old Testament prophecy. And the writer is making this claim that Jesus is our great high priest. We've talked about that a lot over these last few weeks. But he's making a couple of references here to the Old Testament. And I want us to look at two references from the Old Testament. The first is referencing Moses and the Israelites as they camped in the wilderness. So if you have your Bibles, turn back with me to Exodus chapter 33, verses 7 through 11. Exodus 33, 7 through 11. All the Jews would know the story of the Exodus. They would celebrate that story with every Passover. They would tell the story and retell the story. They would tell the story of how God delivered them from the hand of Pharaoh. And in this passage, we hear a little bit about Moses and him going outside the camp. Exodus 33, 7 through 11 says this. Now Moses used to take a tent and pitch it outside the camp some distance away. It was called the tent of meeting. And anyone inquiring of the Lord would go to the tent of meeting outside the camp. And whenever Moses went out to the tent, all the people rose and stood at the entrances to their tents, watching Moses until he entered the tent. As Moses went into the tent, the pillar of cloud would come down and stay at the entrance while the Lord spoke with Moses. Whenever the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance to the tent, they all stood and worshiped, each at, their, each at the entrance to their tent. And the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. And then Moses would return to the camp, but his young aide Joshua, son of Nun, did not leave the tent. This is amazing. This text is amazing. Moses had a prayer closet, and it had a name. It was called the Tent of Meeting. And it was outside the camp. This is really amazing to me. It wasn't in the camp. It was outside the camp. The camp that was so formative for me was surrounded by barbed wire. The barbed wire was not put in place to keep people out of our camp. It was set up to keep us kids in the camp. <laughs> but Moses intentionally creates this space outside of the camp. A tent of meeting, you heard the phrase, to inquire of the Lord. The reason people, the reason Moses, the reason people would go out there would be to inquire of the Lord. Something powerful happened when Moses went there so powerful that everybody stood when they saw him go out this way. They'd stand and watch him go in. And while Moses would go in, big cloud would come down over the tent. It's crazy. It's amazing. So while Moses is in there praying, people outside in their own tents are standing praying. 
Verse 11, just completely mind-blowing. Moses speaks to God face-to-face. Can you imagine? Moses speaks to God face-to-face. This is really incredible, and it's kind of rare in the Old Testament. It's a bit like Adam in the Garden of Eden. This kind of stuff doesn't happen very often at all in the Old Testament, but it happened with Moses, and this kind of stuff can happen with me and you. In fact, Jesus said it's so. In John 15, 15, Jesus said these words, I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. I believe that you and I, this invitation is for us to approach him, to know him, to be known by him as his friend. And then there was that quick mention, you probably caught it, there's a quick mention there about Joshua who stayed in the tent the whole time. Joshua, son of Nun. Joshua is gonna eventually succeed Moses. He's gonna be the one who leads all the people into the promised land. But now here, he's being immersed in prayer. He's sitting in the tent. He's learning to know the presence and the power of God. It's a beautiful story. The second reference um, in the Old Testament points to the process of atonement. If you have your Bibles, just flip back a couple of pages to Leviticus chapter 16, verse 27. Leviticus chapter 16 is really specific about all the rituals of atonement, about all that the priests had to go through, all the things that they had to go through in order to make atonement for the sins of Israel. I'll just share one verse here. Leviticus chapter 16, verse 27 says this, the bull and the goats for the sin offerings whose blood was brought into the holy place to make atonement must be taken outside the camp. Their hides, their flesh, and their intestines must be burned up. The verses in Hebrews are referring to how Jesus was taken outside the city gate, outside Jerusalem. It was about a 30-minute walk from the gates of Jerusalem to Golgotha, uh, the skull. And there on the cross, the blood of Jesus was shed to make atonement for all the sins, the sins of the entire world, your sins and mine. Three things I want to tell you about happened there. Jesus' death outside of Jerusalem fulfills the day of atonement ritual. Second thing, it symbolizes the shame of exclusion from the sacred spaces. And thirdly, it symbolizes the rejection by all of those who are in authority. He's not dying here. He's not dying in Jerusalem. We're going to shame him outside the city. And yet it was there where he fulfilled the prophecy. The writer is saying to these new Jewish believers, it's time to leave camp. It's time to identify fully with Jesus. It's time to immerse ourselves not only in the teachings of Jesus, but in the life, death, and burial of Jesus. And the idea of camp, it's not just metaphorical. This is their history. This is their story. The writer is saying, because you have chosen to follow Jesus, that chapter of your story is now closed. The writer is saying, you've got to leave camp. You've got to leave, you've got to leave official Judaism you got to leave official Judaism and fully identify with Jesus becoming his disciples. And there will be a cost. You will undoubtedly leave behind respectability and security. You will take on opposition, 
persecution, and you will suffer as you identify fully with Jesus. Following him resolutely, despite suffering, as Hebrews 13 says, you will bear the disgrace he bore. There is a cost to following Jesus outside the camp. This week, uh, on Thursday, we got to celebrate in baptism. Just want to show you a couple pictures. We have some local outreach partners, uh, Bethany France, Sonny's daughter, and Kimberly McDevitt. These guys do some ministry with women who are on the street, women who are marginalized, uh, women who are being abused. And this week on Thursday, these women who uh, Kimberly and Bethany have been working with came to sanctuary to get baptized. They've come to a place in their own life where they said, I'm done with that, I'm done with that. I wanna be identified fully with Jesus. And on Thursday, these gals got baptized right here. This morning at the 9.15, one of our our young kids uh, got baptized. Emma Kellum got baptized. Same thing, she said, that's it, I'm done. I'm done with it. I wanna identify fully with Jesus. And then you just saw the most amazing baptism ever. You just got to see it. You got to see Katie. You got to hear her story where she said, that's it, I'm done with being me. I'm done with judgment. I'm done with condemnation. There is no fear in love. And I'm going after the God of love. And I don't know if you heard it, but she said, it actually spurs me on to be obedient to God of love. Incredible. These guys are closing a chapter and they're opening up a whole new book, a whole new way to live and to love. It's the way of Jesus. I don't know if you've ever made that commitment, but that's what's happening here. The writer is saying, leave the old camp. These girls are saying, we're leaving the old camp. We're leaving the old ways. There's a lot of girls in these stories, and I think that's amazing. But when is it us guys are going to get involved here? Let me just speak truthfully. When is it that us guys are going to get involved here? You know? Well, uh, Connor Godfrey's involved. He led us in our call to worship. And I asked him this week if he would just respond uh, to this uh, prompt. And so, Connor, uh, uh, check out his video. Uh, It's right here. Hey, I'm Connor Godfrey, a senior here at Sanctuary. Today, Craig has asked me to answer the question, how do I go to God outside the camp? I do this by going out of my comfort zone and spreading the faith to those around me. My friend group, especially, many of them are not Christians or Catholics, Buddhists, or they don't even associate with any religion. So being a light in those around me and to those in my friend group really makes an impact on them. Uh, Most of them question it, question why I'm a Christian, and... I just live the life of Jesus and spread the light through them and through those around me. Amen. Hey, give it up for Connor. Where did he go? He's back there, Jody. He snuck out. All right. I don't know if you heard what he said, but, or you could hear everything that he said, but he basically said that I'm, I'm hanging around with a bunch of kids who aren't Christians. He said Catholics and Buddhists and kids who don't have any belief at all. Instead of sitting in his holy huddle with all of his Christian buddies, Connor's choosing to engage the lost and dying world by being a friend outside the camp. I don't know, what is it? Where where might he be calling you? How do you go to him? How do you go to him outside the camp? I just saw Matt uh, Mantooth over here. Uh, Matt was telling me a couple weeks ago that on Monday nights uh, at our AA meeting that is hosted here, Matt leads 
as the largest AA meeting in Cobb County that happens here on Monday nights. And I just think that's crazy. Thank you, Matt, for leading us there. What's crazy is those guys are coming here and then going out. I just love, I love, I love, I love all that. Well, I just want to share one more story. Uh, Turn over to Matthew's gospel, Matthew chapter 14, verse 22. If you have your Bibles, just turn over to one more passage. I want you to hear this story. It's a story I learned at camp. Matthew 14, verses 22 through 33. It's a familiar story. Uh, Many of you will know this story well. Matthew writes this. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side uh, while he dismissed the crowd. After he dismissed the crowd, he went on a mountainside by himself to pray. And later that night, he was there alone, and the boat was already a considerable distance from land. And buffeted by the waves, because the wind was against it, shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. And when the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage. It is I, don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water Come, he said. And Peter got down out of the boat and walked on the water and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You have little faith, he said. Why did you you doubt? Uh, Most of you probably know the story. I don't know if you've ever heard Jesus say these Really powerful words. Take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. Peter and the disciples, totally freaking out. They think it's a ghost and the wind and the waves, all that stuff. And Jesus speaks these words of strength. Take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. If you don't hear anything else in this whole message, if you don't think, hear anything else in this whole gathering, I hope that you can hear Jesus speak these words to you just as you are, right where you are. Take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. And Peter says, okay. Lord, if it's you, tell me to come to you on the water. I don't know if you've ever had Jesus invite you into anything crazy like this. I can only imagine Jesus got this big smile on his face. Great anticipation, and he's reaching out his arm and he's saying, Okay, come on, come on. And Peter takes a look around. The boat is safe and secure. All right, he spent his whole life on the boat. Peter's a fisherman, grew up a fisherman, he spent his whole life there. He knows the strength of the hull, he knows the cracking sound of the mast at full hoist. He knows the intricacies of the mechanics of all the rigging. And there's a certain level of comfortability. He's hanging around with his buddies. All of his buddies are in the boat. This is Peter's camp. And he looks outside of his camp, and all he sees is these giant giant waves. And he can feel this wind, feels the power of the wind, and he hears Jesus whisper these words, Come on, come. (laughs) I get the chills thinking about stuff like this. 
And Peter says to him, I got to go to him outside of this camp. Peter gets down out of the boat. He walks on the water and he came to Jesus. Can you imagine? I know you know the story. I know the story. We just read the story. He's going to get afraid. He's going to sink the water, the whole deal. Uh, but I can't get over this. He walked on the water. He walked. I know he's going to doubt and he's going to fall. I know he'd be soaking wet. I know, but he walked. He walked. I can't get over it. He walked. Could you imagine what that must be like? Life outside of the camp is going to take some getting used to for Peter. He knows that. But for the rest of his life, he's going to remember that moment when he walked. He walked. This is what happens next, verse 32. And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down, and those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly, you are the Son of God. I don't know if you can picture this scene, but Peter's soaking wet. He's probably sitting over there in the corner, you know. Uh, they all start worshiping Jesus, and they all start singing, you know. And I bet one of his buddies are over there kind of saying, so how did it go? <laughs> like, how did that go for you, buddy? Like, you know, I don't know what his buddies would have said to him. My buddies would have probably made fun of me, but I can only imagine Peter soaking wet, seeing all that has happened I can only imagine him worshiping, singing, we bring the sacrifice of praise unto the house of the Lord. For the rest of his life, he'll remember those steps that he took outside of the camp to be with Jesus, to come away from safety and security, to come away from manageable and controllable, to have courage and trust and not be afraid. What might it look like for you to be willing to go to him outside of your camp. When I was in seminary, Tom Tanner, who is now the pastor down the street at Riverstone, at the time he was leading the Wesley Foundation at UGA. And Tom came to speak at Asbury and he told this story. And at the time, I was really wrestling with going back to the safety and security of my camp. Uh, when we went to seminary, we left everything and everyone behind. We had no money, no jobs, no plan, and we're leaving this camp for this quiet invitation from God, this really simple, uh, Thomas Kelly says, for over the margins of life comes a whisper, a faint call, a premonition of richer living. And I heard Tom Tanner that day, and I remember saying to Christy, I can't go back. I can't go back. What might life look like if you were willing to go to him outside of the camp? And who might you find with Jesus outside of the camp? There are all kinds of camps in our world today. Political camps, oh my gosh. Religious camps, educational camps, financial camps, and they all seemingly have barbed wire around them. They are all mutually exclusive. So, of course, Jesus isn't present there. Let's go to him outside of your camp. A couple months ago, Christy and I got the chance 
to actually be at Tom Tanner's house. We went to this thing. We got invited to this thing and we're with he and his wife and some other folks. And I told Tom about the day where he came to Asbury, like way back when. And he goes, oh yeah, way back in the 1900s when I came to Asbury. And I was like, yeah, that was then. We were there. You remember that? He goes, I remember coming there. He said, I was going to some different seminaries. And, but I, he said, I gave the same talk everywhere I went. Like, yeah, yeah, all right. And he said, I, I got to tell you this quick story. So he tells me about when he went down to Candler a theological seminary that's on the campus at Emory. He said he gave the same talk. And there was a guy who heard that talk named Rick. And Rick wanted the kind of faith where he, like Peter, could walk on the water. True story. Rick put on a full suit, jacket, tie, tied his shoes, went to the Emory pool. It was at a time where it wasn't very crowded, but that's okay. He went to he went to the Emory pool and he tried to walk on water at the pool. And what do you think happened? Well, wait, wait, go ahead. What do you think happened? Oh, you got to say it a little bit louder because I'm not sure if you're all with me. What did you think happened? I didn't hear you. He sank. Of course he sank. He sank. Rick didn't give up after the first sinking. He tried it again and again and again. Full suit, jacket, tie, shoes tied Several times, each time falling into water, oh, Rick of little faith. So I thought we would all try it. I reserved an hour for us this afternoon at 2 o'clock at the YMCA pool behind Zaxby's. We all have time to go home and change, put on our best clothes. Who's with me? Who's with me? All right, Billy's with me. Okay, a couple people are with me. Leanna's with me. Although I don't think the sign of faith is walking on water, but trusting Jesus enough to go to him outside the camp, soaking wet, bringing the sacrifice of praise. The last section of Hebrews 13, this section of Hebrews 13 ends this way. Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise. The fruit of lips that openly profess his name and do not forget to do good and to share with others for with such sacrifices God is pleased. Let's pray. God, Spirit, would you enable us, enable us, give us the courage to trust you in the face of fear and to go to you outside of the camp. Give us the courage not to forget to do good and to share with those around us. And would you allow the fruit of our lips, to openly and always profess your name. Would you help us to see where our camp might be holding us back? Free us, God, free us from our fears. Help us to hear your invitation to come to you. And just to take one step at a time. 
even now, beginning here, would you help us to hear your invitation to come and to take a step toward you? Maybe to come to you for the first time. Maybe to come to you without fear or judgment or condemnation like Katie. Maybe to come to you in a place where you're asking us to wait. Come to you with a friend. Maybe to take a step. To be prayed for. Or to pray for another. Or maybe a step toward the communion table to remember. A step to remember. God, we pray that you would lead us here in these moments, right back to you. And then together, from that place, to a lost and dying world, I pray. In Jesus' name.